Power of the Dog has two big moments that are worth discussing. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott's self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i'm doing a little bit of a deeper dive on the power of the dog it's a movie that i reviewed without spoilers recently but there are some bigger things in the film Uh, there's a couple of major plot points that i think are worth discussing and in terms of why the movie at least in my opinion is as effective as it is so that's what i'm gonna do it's gonna be a bit freeform today so without further ado let's get started and the thing I wanted to talk about, the first, there's a cup, there's two kind of big twists in the film. And the first is about, is about what, who, for all intents and purposes, our lead character. And our lead character is Phil Burbank, who's played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And thus far, Phil has been defined by being very rough. He is a traditional cowboy. He seems very suspicious of anybody trying to seemingly intrude on his family uh he makes fun of he makes fun of uh uh, the teenage son of the rose keeper of of rose and it all seems it there's a degree of it that seems very performative he seems to go out of his way to do it and he is making a point of making rose's life hell so that's where we are in the film and we've gotten a couple of moments with Phil, where he's revealed that he perhaps he has a softer side to him or something like that. And so the big reveal comes when Rose at this point has taken up uh, Rose at this point has taken up drinking pretty badly at this point in time. And you know, George seems is either blissfully unaware or intentionally ignoring it. And Phil is just kind of enjoying himself by hanging out with his his rancher friends. Oh goodness, the cat has an opinion on it too. So, and then, and then Rose's son uh, played, and then Rose's son decides to kind of go, uh, played by C- uh, Cody Smith McPhee, decides to come to kind of see what's, what's going on with this guy. It looks like he's trying to reach out to him. Sorry, I'm looking up his name so I can verify what it is. And Peter, yes. So, so Peter goes to kind of, seems to be like he's just kind of wandering around, seeing what's up with, with Phil. And he comes across Phil and phil is it, it seems to he seems to be kind of it's almost in a meditative trance-like state and the reveal is that phil is a closeted gay man and it's very heavily implied that the man that he's been talking about that taught him everything and taught him how to be a cowboy is what he had uh, bronco henry is somebody he had a uh, he had a relationship with when he was young and it kind of formed him and Peter dis- you know discovers images of nude men and a bunch of other things that kind of cements this and I think this is something the best way I can describe it is that this is a twist that I saw coming but both the way it's presented and what it means for the story I think are both very well handled so the way that it's presented is that I think that a lot of a lot of stories like this present 
a closeted gay man. You know, we've seen a lot of performative uh, masculinity from closeted gay men. Uh, you know, everything from Glee to, you know, any anytime you have like a football player that's, you know, closeted, that's in a teen drama or something like that, you see a lot of that. But it's often combined with this immediate outreach of physicality towards the person who's near them because, you know, they've treated it with aggression and now they want to treat it with affection. And that's always seems to be the move. And it's very, gr- and I think it's kind of not gross. Not, well, it's a little gross. It's, but it's also weird and doesn't really portray Um, You know, it portrays gay urges as almost animalistic. And so what I think is so nice and good about this particular scene is that it's very, the scene is sensual, but it's also gentle and poetic. Jane Campion's camera is very nice about it. Benedict Cumberbatch's performance is not animalistic. It's actually very tender. It's actually a, a gigantic contrast to his entire character up until this point. And it's, you know, it's clearly he wants to be alone with it and feels, you know, and feels like it's, um, you know, and, and then it, he, he needs to be alone with it because he, he seems to know with, without any words being said, he knows the time that he's in and that he has to maintain a very gruff image on the other end. And at this point, uh, Peter notices, Peter notices and Phil notices him as well and he chases him off. And then Phil decides to soften to Peter. He starts to try to, like, take him under his wing and be kind to him. And he actually finds that they kind of have a sim- they have similar outlooks and perhaps they have similar feelings in terms of, you know, how they, who they would want to be with romantically. And we get some sort of confirmation about his relationship with Bronco Henry. But at the same time, Rose is deteriorating rapidly. And that it, Rose is deteriorating rapidly due to her alcoholism. She's having fainting spells, and Phil isn't really letting up in regards to her. And Phil, in fact, is only treating Peter with respect for the first time. And Rose is actually kind of is upset that Peter is having any sort of relationship with Phil whatsoever. But what we find out as as things progress is that Peter has decided that he is going to use this new closeness and Phil's new affection towards him as a means of killing him. And it's never said out loud exactly what he does, but Peter goes, he finds a diseased cattle, you see him handling gloves, and he makes rawhide out of it. So later when all of Phil's rawhide is burned, according to, you know, is given away, uh, thanks to Rose, then Phil, who had been making a rope for Peter, use, you know, Peter then gives him this tainted rawhide that definitely has anthrax on it, and he has a cut on his hand to use, and he ends up getting an infection and killing him. And I think what I like so much about this is that it kind of, it it makes the entire movie just this kind of slow, pensive tragedy, because not only because it's you know we get more information about Peter that Peter has had to live be stoic and hard for a lot of his life and now he's taken to taking another man's life to defend his mother but also because we see the potential for a legitimate connection between Peter and Phil and if Phil had been kind from the get-go maybe that would have been possible but he embraced this toxic masculinity and, so, and in fact, that toxic masculinity was so gruff that it actually, in essence, got him killed. 
And there is a deep sadness to this idea that he, even in his dying breaths, he wanted to complete or give this rope to Peter because he was making a point of making sure it was made before Peter went to school and Peter who, you know, who was talking about being a surgeon and stuff like that. So those are the two things that I, and those two work in conjunction. And I think it really helps the movie's message when we're talking about, you know, what the movie is about, which is about repressed feelings and toxic masculinity and the damage it does to everybody, because it essentially means that, you know, in the case of, you know, a closeted gay man in this case, it means that he perpetuates the same kind of abuse someone like him may have received when he was growing up. So, you know, he... The first time he meets Peter, he thinks that he carries himself effeminately and his lisp, and he makes fun of him in front of a bunch of people. It, he didn't need to do that. Like, nobody was challenging his masculinity, and, you know, he does all of this performative stuff. Like, he intentionally doesn't shower all the time. He's always in chaps and things like that. So I just think the, the combination is, like I said, it just emphasizes the movie's themes very, very well, and I think it's handled... I think it's handled very affectionately, and I think it's handled with with grace rather than trying to be in your fa- as in your face as possible, which is Jane Campion's way anyway. So that's what I thought. Uh, let me know if you had any thoughts on the film as well. But thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.